We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast, the five and one edition of the Pack a Day podcast. The Houston. You have a problem. Can we have some of your players edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast? Uh, I am your host, Jacob Morley, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Ross, what we are going to do today is actually we're not going to speculate about trades. Um, There will be plenty of time for that in the coming episodes. We're going to break down kind of a deep dive into this Houston Texans game, this Houston Texans victory. Um, And so what we're going to do is you and I have both watched the coaches film. Um, So we have some takes um, of our own. And also, I think it's fun to marry those takes to what uh, websites like Pro Football Focus come out with their grades. Um, Because as always, guys, we are not just a rely solely on Pro Football Focus family. 
We are a trust your own eyeballs as well. And when your eyeballs and other people's eyeballs agree on something, that's usually a good thing. So, Ross, let's get started on this, man. So, looking through the grades, let's start with the offense. Aaron Rodgers uh, basically graded out as 74.8, which is slightly above average uh, for the Green Bay Packers. What are your what were your takes, I guess, on Aaron Rodgers from this game? Do you agree with that grade? Disagree with that grade? Give me your thoughts on on QB one. Well, like I kind of mentioned it after further review, I just thought it was a mix of some of the struggles that we saw uh, against Tampa and then the MVP candidate that had played for the first four games. Um, I thought Rodgers, you know, held the ball a little bit. Uh, the six throwaways were, I believe, a season high. Missed a couple of throws. Normally, you'd hope he'd he'd hit, but uh, you know, boy, other than that, man, um, you, you got to feel really good about what he was able to do um, in that game, specifically, obviously, his connection with Devontae Adams. Uh, that was pretty special stuff from uh, number one seven. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there. I think uh, the sequence of plays that I think really tell the story of this game for Aaron Rodgers are – him missing Devontae Adams, uh, Devontae Adams on that in-breaking route over the middle of the field, only to follow that up with the, was it the very next play. If not, it was with the next couple plays, you know, hitting him for that you know forty-plus yard touchdown, uh, which was which was also not a super accurate ball either. But uh, but then you also get the mixed bag of just unbelievable Devontae Adams talking about losing that ball in the lights and him basically just knowing twelve was going to put that on him. So he stuck his hands out at the last second and just squeezed it. Like that's 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 legend stuff. That's incredible. And so um, Rogers, like you said, mixed bag. Uh, moving on to the wide receivers from this game. Obviously, the top performer um, for this group was Devontae Adams with an elite ninety-three point seven score, and then followed by Malik Taylor with a seventy-four point seven. Who else had Equinamius? Hardly played. Uh, Darius Shepard with a below average score of 53.9 MVS with the below average score of 49.5. Um, I'll start with the receivers here, Ross, cause I think we can keep this really simple. Um, I tweeted it out. Devonte Adams is elite. He is an elite NFL wide receiver, top five. He needs help. And that's, that's just basically where the Packers are at, at wide receiver right now. they they can get by. Um, scheming some of these guys open. Devontae does not need to be schemed open. That He needs help. That help is probably Alan Lazard. Ross, thoughts? Yeah, it is. And, and I mean, you look at, like, yards per route run, um, some of the other, not necessarily sabermetrics, but just some of the other advanced numbers on Lazard. And right now he is, this season, uh, has been playing like a top 20 or 25 receiver in the league now how many receivers are in the NFL? Well, everybody basically starts three. Uh, and, and so you got 32 teams. That's 96 starting receivers. Lazard is playing way above average. I mean, he is in the top 20 of every statistical category on a per game basis or on a per route basis. Of course, his, his counting totals, his box score numbers aren't going to look, you know, like what they would because he's been hurt. But when he's been available – um, he's actually been a very above average, if you want to get into the terms, WR2 uh, or a low-end WR1 
Uh, you're talking kind of like a fantasy football style way of rating guys. So I, I'm with you. I think that Lazard is the guy. And then I also think like Lazard kind of pushes everybody down into their appropriate slot as far as you like Darius Shepard as a fifth receiver. You like Marquez Valdez Scantling as a third receiver who runs a bunch of deep stuff. If you've got that solid second guy in Lazard and the super duper duper star in Adams, I think the entire passing offense makes a lot more sense with Alan Lazard part of the deal. Yes. And you hit exactly what I was going to say with MVS. He is the guy that you want out there and you want to give him two, two to three targets a game. And they're all 20 plus yards down the field because I think he's proven in his career that he is what he is at this point and that and that's exactly what it is and he's going to stick around in this league for a long time because he has that ability but he's just not a guy you trust play in and play out and you saw it on that third down drop like that's just who he is um moving on to the tight ends the other pass catching group um we had jay sternberger with the 68.8 that's a pretty average score we have mercedes lewis with the 61.1 that's a below average score Love it had a below average score. Tanyan had a below average score, about fifty five. Um, I thought that I thought the tight ends were pretty quiet. Uh, Ross outside of Sternberger's um, touchdown catch, he was only had that one target, and uh, obviously Tanyan had that really nice deep ball um, that he saw. You saw his athletic ability really on display. Um, but outside of that, pretty pretty quiet day for the tight ends, Ross. Yeah, for sure. I think you know Tanyan probably had a sixty yard touchdown if if. Uh... Rodgers has that throw a little bit more outside. I think a lot of people are saying it would have been a touchdown. I I think the free safety probably would have hawked him. He seemed to have an angle uh, on that deal. But regardless, a better throw would have resulted in much more than a diving uh, catch, which is what Tynion was able to do. Um, you know, Sternberger didn't do anything special on his touchdown catch, I wouldn't say. But uh, you know, you're, you're looking at a, at a guy in Tanya that's getting a little more attention and a guy in Sternberger. We've talked about this or I've talked about this at length. Sternberger is is right now he's on a path and, 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 and generally, um, you know, generally you're, you're talking about the year two, late in year two, usually year three for uh, tight ends to really hit. You add that and the fact that Sternberger pretty much took a redshirt year last year, and I'd be waiting on him until 2021 or 2022. Uh, anything you get in 2020 seems to be gravy. Yeah, and I think Robert Tanyan is a great example of that. He fits that model to a T as well. Um, okay, moving on to the to the hog mollies, the big uglies up front. Uh, Cordy Lindsley leads this group with a, a high quality, or no, actually, excuse me, Lucas Patrick led this group this week with a high quality score of 81.1, followed by Corey Lindsley with an 80.2. That's another very high quality score. Um, Billy Turner had a 69.7, but I do want to point out my man had an 86.5 pass blocking score at left tackle. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, Rick Wagner, 68.5. Elton Jenkins, 69.3. Um, both average scores. All three of those guys, their pass blocking scores are in the 80s, which is phenomenal. What are your thoughts um, on really this shuffled around offensive line, how these guys held up? Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you've got J.J. Watt on the other side and you don't give up a sack. Um, I, I, I think 
Turner, my God, you, could you ask for anything more? You've got a guy that, you know, people were worried about having him play right tackle. Well, I'll just replace David Bakhtari and uh, give up zero pressures or zero hurries, zero sacks and one quarterback knockdown uh, while we're kind of slinging the ball all over the yard. I, I, I feel like you can't put in a lot of guys uh, that played right guard the season before and just plug them in at left tackle and feel really, really good about it. And that's exactly what just happened with Billy Turner. Uh, Rick Wagner did what Rick Wagner has done all year, and that's slide in when he's needed at right tackle and just not have his name called. And again, um, are there guys like Elton Jenkins and guys like Corey Lindsay where they, they play so well sometimes that you notice them? Yeah. But not being noticed is also the hallmark of – what I would call very sought after offensive line play uh, more often than not, you're, you're going to be kind of uh, it's not a great recognition is not in general. Great for offensive linemen, though, obviously the elite ones like, you know, Quentin Nelson, et cetera, uh, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily apply. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't, you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. You know, and there's a, there's a school of thought out there too, Ross, about offensive line play and how you don't pay guys huge money in the offensive line because like and uh peter bukowski and i were talking about this actually a couple days ago and just talking about bakhtiari and do you pay this guy and there is a school of thought out there that offensive line more than any other positional group on the team is very much a unit and when you get five and you look at those five guys that the packers trotted out there who's the weak weak link those guys are all solid all solid nfl offensive linemen two really good offensive nfl linemen so where was the weak link? You didn't really have one, and they played really well. And like you said about about Big Billy Turner, I mean, my goodness, the, the you know Gutenkunst getting ragged for signing him to what he signed to play guard, uh, kind of just pulling one over our eyes again. Because look what he's done this year at tackle. Um, that's that's a that's a if he continues this level of play at right tackle and left tackle when he needs to for this season. That's a slam dunk of a free agent signing two years ago. So you got to tip your cap there to uh, to old Goody about what he's been able to do and what he really envisioned for this team and this offensive line moving forward. Um, but going at go go ahead and moving to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start with the let's start with the big boys on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, big guys as far as grades, we had I believe Kenny Clark led the way. With his grade, he had a 77.7, which is a 
uh, a very high quality score. Key, uh, Kingsley Kiki, 72.9, which is a slightly above average to pretty good, pretty good grade. Um, let's see who else. Dean Lowry had a good grade, 71.9, played well. Uh, Billy Wynn, 70. That's spot on average for Pro Football Focus. Which this Packers front front line that's that's uh, a welcome breath of fresh air. And then Montrevious Adams, sixty six point four, which is also a pretty pretty average grade, uh, but not a bad grade. So Ross, how do you think these guys these front guys played? I thought it was fine. I you know I didn't see anything crazy out of the ordinary. I thought Kenny Clark was good. Uh, I think Kenny Clark finishing pass rushes against a guy like. Deshaun Watson, when you're, just, you know, you're that much bigger than an elite athlete, is tough. I, I think getting – for a guy like Kenny, getting Deshaun Watson on the ground is is difficult. But uh, I think PFF credited him with four hurries. I got no problem with that. I, I think he was consistently resetting the line of scrimmage, uh, which is a big deal, man. When, when you're usually on the center of the play side guard and you're jacking him two yards deep into his own – his own backfield, it's it's generally going to create a problem. And I think that's why you look at the team grade for run defense for the Packers, it, it's pretty great. Uh, Montrevious Adams getting it done repeatedly this season against the run. He might not have the juice, uh, which which I guess is fine because Kings of Kiki does. And, and that was, I, I thought, another excellent rush for him on what ended uh, with the Zadarius Smith in the grasp sack. Uh, but a really good interior pressure from him. I, I see that the tape is already up, or the, the, the coach's tape. I'm excited to get into it. Uh, everything over at Packer Report TV, or excuse me, just at Packer Report, is um, right now just based off of TV copy. We try to get that out to you guys as soon as we can. But th- this interior defensive line, I think, has been much maligned, and, and I think as this has been better, man. I, I think um, if you can get league average play from Lowry – and 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 slightly above league average play from from Kiki and, and Adams, you're going to get blue chip play from Kenny Clark. All of a sudden, you're getting above average defensive line play, which is something that, as you mentioned, like Packers fans would go gaga over, man. Yeah, and I think Kenny Clark is 100% the straw that stirs this drink too. You look at what he what this defense has been able to do since him getting back. And really, I would say yesterday or Sunday was really his first time like back back. Like he is it's not it's not his first game back from injury anymore. He's really getting into a groove and I thought he played really well allowing guys around him to make plays. I mean, I don't think it's any I don't think it's any coincidence that yesterday the Packers had uh, as many you know, pressures and hits on the quarterback that they did. I think that all starts with big nine, number 97 in the middle of the defense. And, and you see it, you know, with guys like these edge guys, like we'll talk about these edge players right now. Um, Zadarius Smith had his probably statistically best game of the season last, last uh, Sunday. He graded out 72.6, which is an above average to average grade, but he had six total pressures and a sack um, just really was very disruptive. Um, and then you saw Preston Smith really for the first time uh, make make some splash plays. Now, Pro Football Focus did not love him, at, if, love the entirety of his game. They graded him at a 53.7, which is a below average grade. And I, I guess we can talk about that. Um, and then Jonathan Garvin, he hardly played, but he had a below average game. 
And then Rashawn Gary had a 65.9, which is a solid score. Um, but Ross, tell me, talk to me about Preston Smith. Was it, do you agree with that grade? Um, or was it really like he, he played like Preston Smith has been playing all year, sprinkled in with a couple splash plays? Yeah, I, I think so too. You know, I joked about all being forgiven and I thought it was, but you didn't see a lot of detailed rushes, uh, successful rushes from Preston Smith. You saw a couple pressures. You saw him being close to Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson was running around trying to do Superman stuff. Um, I, I didn't see a lot of great detailed rushes from Preston. And I'm frankly, I thought Z looked pretty hobbled. I, I thought they put him in situations where he could bull rush because I think with that ankle change of direction was just not going to happen. Rashawn Gary doesn't look hundred percent. Certainly doesn't look like the player uh, that we saw earlier in the year, in my opinion, but was really solid against the run. And I thought all the edges were really solid against the run, which is a huge, huge deal. Um, that defensive line has had so much trouble keeping the cup and, being strong against tackles and tight ends and feeding the running backs inside to their help that to see the way the Packers were able to do that on Sunday was, I think something you can really feel really, really feel good about because uh, it was something they, they struggled with mightily. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yes. Um, so let's move on to the inside backers. Everybody's everybody's new favorite player, Kamal Martin, had a, a really solid score. High quality, 77.3 score. I mean, honestly graded out really well across the board. Pro Football Focus really liked what he did. Um, and I would agree with that. I thought he had a very good, a, a very good opening game. Um, but after that, Pro Football Focus was not a fan of what the Packers had out there. Um, Chris Barnes, forty-four point oh, which is a very bad score. Ty Summers, thirty-five oh, which is a terrible score. And somehow Oren Burks graded out as a thirty-point-three, which is just god awful. So. Um, Kamala Martin, I think is a stud. I think he's very good. I think we're going to just see him get better. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the Chris Barnes score and the reason for that. And what I think is interesting, Ross, is you look at this defense and basically the, the, the inside backers in a three, four defense, you have a mic and you have a will. And ever since Chris Barnes has switched over to that mic spot, his grades haven't been as good. Um, if you look at grades throughout the year for this Packers team, whoever's playing that Mike spot pro football focus just doesn't really like what they're doing. And I think a big reason for that is a lot of, you know, the Mike linebacker on defense is a lot of times described as the fullback of the defense. And what that means is, you know, Chris Barnes is going to be the guy torpedoing, you know, the fullback or torpedoing what some lead blocker to basically, um, occupy a blocker so guys like Kamal Martin can go in and make a play 
Now, with that said, Kamal Martin replaced Chris Barnes at the Mike linebacker spot once he got hurt. Um, but I think ultimately that's what you're going to see with these guys is Chris Barnes kind of be um, that guy that's going to go in and blow stuff up and let Kamal Martin run free and make plays. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Ross. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree with a lot of it. I thought, you know, we got into a situation where um, – the Packers were certainly playing more pass defense than when they were run defense. Green Bay had a big lead. And I thought the middle of the field defenders for Green Bay were abysmal. Um, I, I thought this was one of Chandon Sullivan's worst games as a Packer. Uh, Raven Green did some nice things, but he, him in coverage was, was bad. He gave up five catches on seven targets. Uh, I, and, and, and boy, uh, were the backers bad in coverage constantly not flowing with the play, not reading the quarterback's eyes. And you had catches in those windows from slot receivers and tight ends all game long, mostly slot receivers or, you know, outside guys running crossers. Uh, I, I get it, man. For for the number of plays, I, again, all of Green Bay, period. Uh, inside backers, outside backers, whatever, played really well against a run, but – Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson gave up 26 total yards, period, in their coverage. So what that tells you is all the rest of Deshaun Watson's work, pretty much, was in the flats or over the middle. And I have no problem with poor grades for Green Bay's inside linebackers because they were responsible for a lot of what Deshaun was able to get over the middle. Yeah, and let's let's move on to the secondary just because you touched on it already with um, Jair and Josh Jackson have been – Jair has been lights out, and Josh Jackson has not been bad at all. He's actually performed decently well over the last two weeks. Uh, but this week we got Jair Alexander had a defensive grade of 75.2, uh, which is – it's a good grade, I think maybe a little low – for him, uh, just because of how locked down he has been. Um, but then you also have Josh Jackson with a 70.9, um, which is a, a, a good score. That's a, an average to above average score. And if they can get that out of Josh Jackson, um, then Kevin King is, is definitely going to be going and enjoying his money elsewhere because they will, they will roll with that all of next season, happily. Um, but then you got guys like Chandon Sullivan, talked about him, 63.2, which is a very average very average grade. Um, uh, he he really struggled. His pass rush grade is a 37.4, which if anybody watched the game, they probably would agree with that. Um, Raven Green had a similar score to Channing at 62.2. Um, who else we got? Vernon Scott only played 13 snaps. He had a 46.5, not a great score. And then <laughs> Henry Black, who – Give yourself a pat on the back if you actually knew that he was on the roster before this week. He had a, he only played six snaps, but he had the defensive high of 87.5. And Ross, talking about this secondary, um, I think I think Chandon I, – I didn't hate Chandon's game. I hated his, uh, his, his work as far as tackling and pass rushing. I thought was very bad. I thought he was fine um, in coverage. He he gave up some he gave up some catches, but he didn't give up much after it. And quite frankly, I think that's what Petten's asking them to do. Um, Raven Green, I thought, really got picked on. Uh, and, and I, but 
in, in the same breath, Raven Green is a really nice player that they're really asking him to play outside of what he does well. And so he, he made some nice plays even, but I just think consistently asking him to guard – you know these slot these slot receivers. It's not going to end well for you. And um, who else? Oh, Henry. I was just going to touch quickly on Henry Black before I give it to you, Ross. I think if you're a young player in the NFL, you do exactly what Henry Black did. You just you find the ball and you go try to blow it up. And that and props to him. I'm sure he's earned himself more reps in practice. And I'm sure the coaches probably even raised their eyebrows a little bit after that after that play he made. So props to young Henry Black, and hopefully they got something there. Him, Ross, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, you know, I mentioned what I thought of of Jackson and, and Jair. Um, mentioned what you know, chanted. Raven Green had a couple of nice, you know, really nice plays. He continues to splash consistency, you know, and and has been an issue. And as you mentioned, them being reasonable what they actually ask him to do is a is a big one too you know uh they, they need to kind of allow him to play within himself a little bit more and when you saw him one-on-one with slot receivers you saw what saw what happens to you know an fcs safety that you move basically to uh to nickel um that that's not what he does well man coverage certainly especially when you've got a guy that you've decided is going to be, you know, a sub linebacker. Um, I don't know why you would have him in that situation, but uh, today is not the day to complain about Mike Patton. Henry Black, great play. Obviously, I thought Vernon Scott was quite a bit better than pro football focus is great. I'm not sure I I, uh, align with that one. I think actually Ben Fennell kind of uh, agrees with me, frankly. Uh, as well on that. I, I thought he tackled well. I thought he played pretty well. But the, the the best performance or what I thought was really the key, Jair, of course, but Will Redman and Adrian Amos keeping everything in front of them with uh, Kenny Stills and Will Fuller on the other team, that was the big deal to me. And I'm, I'm interested to go actually watch the wide angle on the All-22 and watch those two work. Yeah, and I guess I missed them. Uh, Amos had a 71.8. Um, above average to solid, which is him in a him in a, to a T. Will Redmond sixty seven point five again would would align with what you just said. Just very solid scores. Um, played well yesterday. Uh, special teams uh, sucked. J.K. Scott was awesome. We don't need to talk anything more about that. Um, next week we got the Vikings coming to Green Bay. Ross, true or false? The Packers win that game one hundred to nothing. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but I think, you know, uh, the 50 burger is certainly in play. Um, you know, Minnesota has less than nothing to play for outside of just the simple fact that they don't like Green Bay. Mike Zimmer doesn't want to get fired, but it is in their best interest to lose. I think uh, certainly you look at the trade of Yannick Ngakwe. I think that really signifies that they're they're ready to lose, but um, – if you're Minnesota, why why would you try to win this game? You know, and and if you're Green Bay, you need this. You can't drop a home game to a uh, to an inferior opponent. I mean, you know, an inferior divisional opponent that just can't happen. So, yeah, I like the Packers big this week. Same, uh, and I think you're a coward for not picking them by a hundred because that's going to be my prediction. Uh, just kidding, but no, I think it's it's definitely going to be. 
it should be a blowout. It's always fun to blow out the Vikings, so it should be a very enjoyable game just from a fan's perspective. Um, but, Ross, that's all we got for today. Um, nice little nice little quick breakdown of that Houston game um, and looking forward to that game next week against Minnesota. Ross, thank you, as always, for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. And until next time, Go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.